Hello, and welcome to Quick Charge. I'm Mikey G, and it's Tuesday, January 23rd. Tesla is about to release their fourth quarter 2023 and full year financial results on Wednesday after the market close. As usual, a conference call and question and answer session with management is scheduled after the results. At Electric, we've got some educated estimates and a few guesses as to what we will see. The full year has already been tallied with Tesla releasing their fourth quarter deliveries for at least that particular piece. For revenue, analysts generally have a good idea based on the delivery numbers. The Wall Street consensus for the quarter is $25.64 billion dollars and Estimize, the financial estimate crowdfunding website, predicts a slightly lower revenue of $25.598 billion. Now, for the fourth quarter of 23, the Wall Street consensus is a gain of $0.73 per share, while Estimize has $0.74 per share. And regarding answers to investor questions during the call, the most popular question being voted on is about the next-generation vehicle platform. It's a fairly simple question about getting an official timeline for the next-generation vehicles, which at Electric, we're guessing we're not going to get a straight answer on that one. It's quite normal for Tesla to avoid product announcements during earnings calls. Now, the second most upvoted question, a little more interesting. It reads, quote, Should retail shareholders be concerned that Elon has stated he is uncomfortable expanding AI and robotics at Tesla if he doesn't have 25% of voting? Now, we very well could hear an interesting answer to this question, But if Tesla follows the industry norm, then the issue will be discussed behind closed doors. An updated Tesla Model 3 performance with a refreshed design has been spotted in the wild ahead of the launch in North America. The prototype has camouflage in the front and back, which is interesting considering the updated design was already revealed on other trim levels. The Model 3 is clearly sporting performance brake calipers, which have been one of the few different parts on the Model 3 version called Performance. And some internet sleuths are arguing that the prototypes appear to have more aggressive front splitters, theorizing new curves to aid in cooling on the front end. And we don't know exactly when Tesla plans to release the Model 3 Performance refresh, but the hints are starting to add up in the last few months. Three months after opening U.S. orders for the long-anticipated three-row EV9 SUV, the folks at Kia invited the media out to test drive it for the first time, and we were there. Here are the standout features. Electric Scooter Doll writes, quote, Before the drive, Kia executives told us the EV9 was quiet, a 58.2 decibel interior at 55 miles an hour, comparable to a Range Rover interior. Now, this is something you don't truly appreciate until you experience it yourself. Between the electric motor, quiet sealed interior cabin, and noise-canceling EV tires, the EV9 was eerily quiet, even at high speeds. I found the overall feel of the drive very smooth and the acceleration with the dual motors to be adequate for confidently overtaking other vehicles on the highway. Still, we were a long way from the goosebumps in terms of pure speed. Now, the writer goes on to say that the high-performance GT line of the EV9 doesn't really seem like it's worth the money. But the middle-range trim levels, called the wind or land, those ones seem intriguing. Electrek's David Ruddock reviews the Polestar 2, which was recently updated. And while the vehicle does earn many high remarks, which you can read the full story on electrek.co, I'll share with you one of the more poignant criticisms that you may not find elsewhere. Ruddock writes, quote, More concerning to me than any of the above is that the Polestar 2's tech stack isn't aging well. That would be my reason, personally, to avoid picking one up. The Intel processor powering this car's infotainment system is a dog, 
and it just makes using the car clunkier and more unpleasant than it needs to be. Even when it debuted three years ago, this hardware was outdated. Today, I can't imagine wanting to be stuck with this level of software performance for three or four more years. The U.S. Postal Service showed off its first electric vehicle charging stations and some spiffy new Ford e-Transit electric vehicles at an event in Atlanta with hundreds of new sorting and delivery centers set to open around the country this year. Now, it's all part of the $40 billion plan to upgrade its service while assembling one of the country's largest EV fleets, tallying more than 66,000 delivery vehicles in service. Now, the USPS is now working to convert some of its 400 post office sites into new sorting and delivery centers that will serve as larger hubs to, quote, deploy EVs along local carrier routes. Now, rather than the local post offices of yore, these new centers will service larger geographic areas. Last year, the USPS signed an agreement to buy 9,240 Ford e-transit electric vehicles from Ford, and they have nearly three times the cargo capacity of the Grumman LLV delivery vehicles that have been currently in use. This will allow the carriers to haul more mail without having to go back for more pickups. Ikeo Toyota, the longtime CEO and chairman of the car company, has stuck to his guns on vehicle propulsion in some recent comments. During a lecture on the company's production systems, Toyota explained that he believes that EVs will only represent 30% market share, no matter how much progress electric vehicles make. He believes that the remaining 70% will be HEVs, FCEVs, and hydrogen engines. He added, quote, and I think engine cars will definitely remain. Now, we shouldn't give this story too much credit, both considering the company Toyota already has a new CEO that seems at least a little less hostile to EVs, but also EVs are gaining ground in many countries, even surpassing 32%. China claims 24%, and that is growing rapidly. The Netherlands is quite similar. Sweden is already at 32% electric vehicle market share today, and least we forget Norway, which is at 82.4%. So Toyota's claims at least don't apply to those places. Here in the United States, where EVs are not quickly adopted, it's expected that by the end of this year, we'll see 10% market share, which is up from 7.6% we scored in the year 2023. North Volt's planned site for a new battery site in Canada has been sabotaged by a group of activists. Last year, it was announced that Northvolt, a Swedish battery manufacturer known for building large battery cell factories in Europe, would enter the North American market with a new 30-gigawatt-hour battery factory in Quebec, Canada. A group of activists sabotaged the site of the upcoming factory just last night. They installed steel bars and nails in the trees to prevent deforestation machines from working at the site. A Quebec publication called La Presse said that it received an anonymous message from the people behind the sabotage. They claimed to have armed the forest to protect itself in a way that won't damage it. As for the reason behind the act of sabotage, the group seems to share concerns over habitat and biodiversity while denouncing the Quebec government's contributions to the project. In today's community comment found on YouTube, Paul CJ1WB says, What Europe and America should do is bring all manufacturing back home and out of China and do the same as China in incentivizing that, similar to the IRA Act and the CHIPS Act in America. Fight fire with fire. Unfortunately, in America, we have big oil, Fox News, and right-wing Republicans trying to do all they can to make sure China stays great. Well, Paul, I don't entirely agree with your statement. 
International trade is wildly complex, and I think that that complexity is used as a tool to manipulate voting power and tax income out of American people. Perhaps there's no way out of it. I mean, it would be asking a lot for the average citizen to understand a fraction of global economics, myself included. But I think that one danger from this risky formula comes when we pit one political side against another. In American politics, China has been the scapegoat for both sides of the aisle, each of them claiming that the other is responsible for all sorts of things that China does on their own. And we can't ignore that the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, they have their own agenda and their own agency that does not conveniently correlate to the U.S. two-party system and certainly doesn't correlate to our election cycle. The CCP didn't open trade solely because they were desperate for democracy, but that's how it was painted for American audiences. The CCP didn't engage in the very trade war that Trump campaigned on only because they are jealous of American ingenuity. I don't see it that way. The Chinese Communist Party has their own problems, their own aspirations, and to be frank, their own targets. The CCP is verbally hostile to the entire United States and openly hostile to our allies in the region. Now, I'll take this a different direction. I don't remember the exact spot, but I read the novel Romance of the Three Kingdoms of Chinese history, or more like the lore of Chinese history. And I think it was the character sage General Zhuge Liang who said, look to who benefits the most from a situation. And I would like to ask that similar question. Who would benefit from Americans being divided and unruly? Who stands to gain the most from a world leader that's asleep at the wheel? These are deep thoughts for an electric car news recap show, but thanks for watching. I'm Mikey G, and I hope you have a great day.